Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Thinking Project Podcast, where we interview founders and creatives to help you take the next step in your business by listening to inspired stories of these wonderful founders. I hope you enjoy this podcast and make sure to share it with your friends. Thank you so much for tuning in. All right, Brendan. We're here, man. Yes, we are. Adults. It's good to be here. <laughs> Dude, you know what? And okay, we're just going to talk about the elephant in the room. Um, so I was, I was listening. I, I was talking about, about. Uh, we were talking about like my enthusiasm before. And uh, you know what's funny is I heard Jordan Peterson articulate once. He was like, "There's a <clears throat> when it comes to outgoing people or like uh, extroverts. There's two sides to extrovert." right? There's like the outgoing, like enthusiastic, bubbly. And then there's like the assertive side. That's like, you can still be extroverted, but it's more of like, you know, straight to the point kind of thing. And I am an extrovert, but I am not the pep rally guy. You know, I'm more of like the, you know, I'm more of like the assertive guy. So it's actually kind of been a, one of my downfalls in sales, right? Because like, or public speaking, because everybody wants you to be like bubbly or like, you know, pep rally, real pep rally. And I'm just like, dude, I, I can't, you know, <laughs> That's interesting, Dalton. I, I think the only thing I would say in response to that is it all depends how big of a game you want to play. Because the best communicators on a planet, what they do is, I think Jordan overcomplicates things, but I, I would say the key is they're chameleons. Yeah. So, so I'll give you an easy example. I'm literally adapting my energy to your energy. <laughs> yeah. But this is not how I actually communicate. This is actually how I communicate normally when I talk in general, but I always get different kinds of hosts. There's some hosts who are more like, what's up, Brendan? How are you? And that's like your genuine self. And I was like, oh, what up, man? And they use like really informal language. And then you have like Paula. And I'm on a podcast with Paula and she's like, um, hi, Brendan. Um, I really like, so, so if I'm yelling at her, you lose. Right. Like Gary Vaynerchuk such a great example. Like he just doesn't have an off switch. I love the guy, by the way, total respect. Yeah. For the guy. Yeah. But he just doesn't have an off switch. So when he's talking to introverted seven year olds, he's yelling at them, too. So, yeah, not the right <laughs> approach. You got to adapt. Yeah, that makes sense. So before before we get too deep into this, why don't you introduce yourself? I know that you're the founder of Master Talk. Uh, I know that you have a pretty big YouTube channel. Um, but why don't you in your own words tell us what you do? Yeah, for sure, man. So, so for me, the story started in business school, Dalton. I went to, went to business school and university college. I did these things called case competitions. Think of it like professional sports, but for nerds. So well, other guys, yeah, it's kind of like the only way to, you look like a football player. So other guys might be playing football or something <laughs> or soccer. I wasn't one of those guys. I did presentations competitively. Oh, That's okay. how I learned how to speak. And I did it to get a job primarily. So it's not super yeah. interesting story. But as I grew up, I started coaching a lot of these students, kind of like in sports where you help the younger kids who are, who are fresh blood. And I started to help them present because the, the alternative they had was like me or just a rock. So they pretty much went with me. So I started, help, I started helping them on how to communicate. And what I realized, brother, was after three years of this, I had accidentally coached like 70 people on how to communicate ideas. And I also realized that no one was sharing this content for free on the internet. So I started making videos in my basement on how to communicate ideas and it just turned into something I never thought it would. Wow. 
that's great. Yeah, no, I mean, your, your, your YouTube channel looks like it's blowing up. Looks like it's doing fantastic. And so when you say communicate, you're like teaching people how to communicate. What do you mean? That's a fantastic question. So what do I mean by this? Because everyone's got their own definition. For me, a communication is every moment of your life. It's not just about speaking on a stage. It's the way that you talk to your family. It's the way that you serve your clients. It's the way that you order food at a restaurant. It's the way that you meet strangers when you travel. It's every moment of your life. So how do we improve all of those angles? Not just getting more sales, and we can talk about that, not just getting more Mm -hmm. business, but more importantly, how do you lead a more fulfilling life? And I think that's the missing piece is a lot of us, we see communication like a chore, like shit, I got to do the dishes. That's kind of the mindset we have right now. Whereas for me, the question I pose is very different than most is how would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? We dream about all the expensive things we want to buy or the vacations we want to go on, but we don't think about a world in which we're a better communicator in it. Yeah. Tell me more, walk me through more of the idea of leading a life of more fulfillment because you're a better communicator. I think, I think you're right. Like it feels right when you say that, but I'm afraid that some people might hear that and and get lost in the ambiguity. Right. So kind of walk me through the nuances of that. For sure. I mean, I'll just give you a bunch of personal examples. (laughs) Me and me, my sister and my mother haven't argued in over a decade. I don't remember the last time we fought. That's one. And we all live together. So that's the first one. (laughs) Right. The second one, I don't have a single not even a single person, Dalton, who's negative in my life. Not a single person. And the reason is because when you're a great communicator, you can communicate expectations that you want within a relationship. Yeah. And and here's mine. Once again, these are the nuances that you wanted, right? Guys, I work 14 hours a day. Don't bother me. But (laughs) when we take vacation, 100% I'm all in. So I'm all in. I'm work hard, but I'm also play hard. And I'm taking nine days off this month to visit family and kiss babies, all this stuff, literally yeah. six, six months old. But the point I want to drive, there's that nuance, whereas a lot of us we don't have the language with our significant other, our family to go like, babe, like, I actually want to read a book for the first hour of the day. I don't want to talk to you not because I hate you because I need that alone time. Right. Yeah. That's another example. <clears throat> and then the third one, obviously, sales, right? If you're a great communicator in different areas of life or in your yeah. career, if you're someone who has a job. I mean, it's, it's the ultimate differentiator and it's the pretty much the only way to get into leadership positions in any company that pay the most money. Yeah. It sounds like you're talking a lot about like persuasion and influence and how to actually communicate what you want and, and not only communicate what you want, but that's the big piece in sales, right? Is like not just communicating what you want, but also creating the buy-in that would be necessary to move whatever you know, project forward or, or agenda forward that you'd need to. Right. And I, and your project or agenda that that can sound kind of negative, but you know, that's what it is, right? Like if I want somebody to either, like if I'm approaching a sales conversation, it's either, I want to know really quick, like if we can move forward and if this is a fit or if it's not, I don't care which one it is. I just need to know as quickly as I can. Right. Right. And and my style is more uh, a little bit more loving, maybe, <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah. you know, asking because because for me, it's important. I'm sure you believe this, too. But mm-hmm. we all have our own approaches. Even if someone doesn't buy from me, I want to make sure they're raving fans, especially in the business that I'm in. That's very yeah. people driven coaching. Right. True. So even if someone doesn't be doesn't uh, doesn't be buy, <laughs> it doesn't really matter because if they love me, they'll share my my YouTube channel, my free trainings, all that stuff with like yeah. 10 other friends yeah. and one of them will buy. That doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there is that element. And and yeah, my approach sounds a little cold. 
in, you know, in speech. <laughs> but I think in your business, that probably makes more sense, though. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I'm also I'm also like not trying to burn any bridges. In fact, my pitch is pretty is pretty easy. Oh, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, like, it's like, yeah. hey, uh, at the front, I'd be like, you know, hey, Brennan, the goal of this conversation is to either see if we're a good fit and move forward. And if we're not, that's totally cool. We'll go have drinks together. Uh, but we just know that we're not ready for each other right now. Right. Like, right. OK, cool. <laughs> I don't know, because you're right. Like, I, and here's the here's the big one that I think um, and I'm sure you talk about this. I've listened to a few. I've watched a few of your YouTube channels, right? Or YouTube videos. And I think you're when you're talking about communication and correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it's almost more about your like how the words fit into your personality, like having your authentic self show up. Absolutely. Like, let, let me kind of simplify this because I know there's a lot of different topics, communication, there's persuasion, there's influence. So what is yeah. my definition of communication, Dalton? Okay. For me, I define communication and public speaking the exact same way because I keep it nice and simple. So for me, communication is sharing an idea and having someone take action on the yeah. idea. That's it. Okay. Right. So in other words, it is sharing an idea to achieve a specific outcome for a specific audience. Yeah. So sharing an idea to a specific outcome for a specific audience. But within that definition, speaking on the stage and selling product that also means uh convincing your wife that hey we should or husband whatever that we should have uh, a mexican instead of chinese food or <laughs> that we should travel to this country and, right so that's still specific outcome to specific audience yeah. so then within that frame the the next question becomes and this is where i'm a bit different than most people where i would say something like look if your goal in life is to make i don't know ten thousand dollars a year and you sell anywhere you want and you still get your 10 grand. I have no feedback for you because <laughs> that is the outcome that you want. Yeah. But let's say in the context of what you do, which you're super successful at what you do. Yeah. The next piece would be like, okay, do you want to impact a billion lives? So if the answer becomes yeah. yes, then for that specific goal, which is probably for a very small percentage of people listening to this, if mm -hmm. a billion is the goal, then you actually have to adapt your own personality to meet that that bar because you won't impact a billion people if you swear a bunch because a lot of people are religious as an example. <laughs> so they'll just right like Gary Vee, like he, he won't hit a billion people. He has to do it through V friends and stuff. So so that's what I mean. It all depends what the goal is and how you're adapting to that goal. Yeah, that's true. And we bring up a great point when just in communication in general, and that's like knowing your audience, like getting really clear on who you're speaking to, because I heard, and I, it's the same thing for communication. Um, for the, the phrase that I heard when I was learning how to like communicate in writing. So like, I've never been a really strong writer, but I've been like, but if I got somebody on the phone, you know what I mean? Like it was game over. Like you, you know, we'd be friends. I'd either sell you and be friends or we would just be friends. And, and either way was a win for me. Like I didn't care. Um, and subsequently not caring about that outcome generated more sales for me because, you know, uh, I wasn't trying to force things in life, but you know, when I, I was learning it. about, you know what I mean? When I was learning about writing, it was like good writing is being understood. Great writing is other people feeling understood, you know, when they read you. And I feel like communicating is the same way, right? Like having your audience feel understood. I think that's like the huge empathy piece in there. Absolutely. And, and to build on that, I love that. Let, let's define empathy because everyone has different definitions. So for me, empathy is simply that we are not communicating to the person that we are today. We are communicating to the person we used to be. 
Sure. There's a big difference there. So what that means to your point is, especially in sales copy in general, <laughs> it's not about who we are right now. Cause who we are right now is like, dude, like, why don't you post the video? It's like so easy. Like we all do it all the time <laughs> <laughs> versus yeah. like going, okay, who was I when I pressed record the first time? And it's hard to do that flashback. So it's much easier to just ask your yeah. clients and go like, what pains did you have before? And then they just talk <laughs> and you just copy what they say and just tell that to other people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I think, you know, and, and yeah, my definition of empathy would follow a similar vein. And that's just, you know, just like it's that authenticity piece. It's just realizing like, um, you know, everybody's just got a whole different, you know, and I think you, you know, just a different story. And I think you gain empathy as you uh, get older, right? I think that's just inevitable, right? Because you just see different people from different walks of life and you know, yeah. And then you remember that person that you used to be and you're like, dude, I remember being there. Right. So I'd like, shoot, you're totally right. <laughs> That's tough. I sure hope so. Yeah. Well, and I sometimes I had to learn this the hard way and then through a lot of like, you know, reading and studying or whatever. But like sometimes I get like I can get like hyper empathetic or like mm. I almost shut down. Like I just stop talking because I'm like, dude, I can't like I remember being there so vividly and the emotions are still so strong in that thought because I haven't self-authored my way out of this enough, but, uh, but like that, I just like, I can't do this. And so that's how something I've had to overcome. You know I love, what I mean? love that, man. But you're, you know, you're just like, dude, I I, oh my God. Like sometimes I'm asking people for a lot of money and I'm like, Phew. like, I remember that amount of money that I'm asking for today in a casual conversation is at one point in my life was all the money that I had to my name. <laughs> you, wow. know I mean? you know what I mean? Like this would have been like, you know, this would have been literally life or death. And so it's like just wild. And so how do you feel like, you know, when you communicate or when you're teaching, you know, when you're coaching this communication, um, how do you help people kind of overcome that, that struggle? Because I know I'm not the only one. Oh, trust me. And, and we're two peas yeah. in a pot here, right? And I'm definitely not the person who's like, yeah, I'd, I mean, I mean, you can tell just by looking at me on video for those who listen to the podcast, I'm not the oldest guest you found in your show, right? But sure. Let's put it that way. And, and most of my clients yeah. are CEOs. So how, how does that make sense? How does that yeah. work? Because yeah. I started Mass Talk when I was when I was 22 in my mother's basement. So why do they trust me in the first place? So I had a lot of this imposter syndrome as well, right? To yeah. kind of go through all of it. You know, I grew up in Montreal. You got to know how to speak French in Montreal. Didn't know the language. <laughs> so I had to present my whole life in a language I didn't know. That's yeah. one. Second, I have a crooked left arm because of a uh -huh. surgery I had when I was younger. So I still have that crooked left arm when I keynote or when I speak. That's the second thing. And the third thing is you would think that a communication expert has a communications degree or something. I have a bachelor's degree in accounting, brother. So <laughs> it's not like the... Well, welcome to the club. That's what that is. Yeah. <laughs> bachelor's degree in accounting, for sure. Oh, you have a bachelor's degree in accounting too? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's right there. Oh, is that what you're pointing to? Okay, gotcha, <laughs> yeah, gotcha, yeah, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. Wow. Okay, gotcha. So, so of course that worked really well for me in business, which was good. But, yeah. but I think the context, which is similar to to what you said, is I'm definitely empathetic to the struggles. I feel we all yeah. have that, and I think what I would say is there's kind of different layers of the struggle that we can go into. Let's start yeah. with the fear. So, so the first piece that I would say around the fear, Dalton is the fear is perfectly normal. I would even argue that the fear is actually not your fault. It's the fault of the education system. I'll quickly explain why. Sure. Where do we learn how to present ideas? And the answer is high school, right? Yeah. Elementary school. 
That's where we learn how to speak. Right. But there's three problems with all this presentation. Right. <laughs> the first one is all of them are mandatory. You don't wake up one morning and say, hey, Dalton, you want to like present and uh, eat breakfast all day? Like, nobody <laughs> says that. Yeah. Right. right, right. That's problem number one. Problem number two, <laughs> all of them are different. You don't even get to pick the topic. It's like, <laughs> right. it's like, what the hell? So you have to talk about Shakespeare and all this stuff, this nonsense, like the history of Missouri or something random. And then the third thing <laughs> is all those presentations are tied to a punishment. So if yeah. you don't do a great job, you get slapped in the face. You lose 30% of your grain. You're like an 11-year-old kid. So we grow <laughs> up with terrible memories and we see communication yeah. as a chore. So yeah, that's the problem. No, I, uh, I could not agree more because, and here's the, this is the funny thing. So I'm, I do it like I, I love philosophy and theology. And anyway, there's this whole philo- philosophical, well, and you know, it's kind of religious, but there's a whole ph- philosophy behind this idea of like, like repentance. I'm sure you're familiar with the word, but what you just described to me was the problem with this whole idea of growth, right? Which is like, that word is the worst word they could have picked because in English, that word is derived from escaping punishment. Like re means like back away from, right? And penant is penance, like punishment or like, you know, so we're like running away from punishment. And so, yeah, I mean, at that point, then you do whatever you can, you know, you have to do. Right. It's not at at that point, you know, you're you're not speaking out of out of a growth mindset. You're speaking out of like a, you know, out of That's like right. a feared mind. <laughs> like, dude, if I don't yeah. do this, like, you know, I've got to escape this punishment or you know what I mean? Or like, you know, because then I'm going to have to repay this debt to whoever at that at the end of the day. Right. Like you maybe you got strict parents, maybe your friends are in the class and they mock you or whatever. And so, yeah, you don't really approach communicating with a like a growing mindset you know i've spoken on stage like twice and uh i mean each time it was fine like because i just go up there and i you know i i feel like for me it's just like be yourself and if you like me like i'm really cool not being liked so it ends up working in my favor but i agree you know but i like what you said there like well you know if you if you approach communicating with a growth mindset that changes the whole game is that kind of what you were getting at 1000% Dalton. That's why we, you know, I always mention this question over and over again. How would your life change if you're an exceptional communicator? That is a very important question because it helps us do something that we never really done in our life with communication, which is see it as a tool for impact, for growth, dreaming about what are we want our communication skills to look like? I mean, we see it all the time, personal development. We do that for our businesses. We do that for the money that we want in our bank account. We do that for our health. We even do that for our relationships, but we never do that with our communication skills. And that's really the, the biggest challenge I feel. Yeah, no, I love, I love that because it, it's, a, it's an interesting question. You know, you asked that, um, how, would your, how would your life change if you're an a, you know, exceptional communicator? What kind, of, what kind of feedback do you get when you ask people that question? Beautiful question. To the question. I love it. Yeah. So, so everyone is different. That's why I like the question a lot. I like leaving it all open-ended. I'll give you a few examples. Mm-hmm. So for some, you know, the typical, you know, I want to grow my podcast. I want to grow my YouTube channel. I want to grow my personal brand. I want to make more money. That's one. Yeah. I want to get my job. I want to get it promoted. Others though, is, well, I wouldn't want to fight with my wife anymore because she's always yelling at me <laughs> or my, I want to have a better relationship with my children. And there's this one story that I heard that really shifted me. 
And what he said was take his wife traveling. And I said, what do you mean by that? And he said, well, Brendan, if I became a better communicator, I could speak English more effectively. My wife doesn't speak English. So when we travel, I could show her the world without her having to work on her communication skills, without having worried about mastering English. And I thought that was such a beautiful reason why to master communication. So for all of us, the answer is different. Not everyone is trying to be Grant Cardone. Not everyone is trying to be this big personal brand. But I think the key is really figuring out what is that thing internally for you? And that's what creates the motivation to even do any of the tactics that we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, I I love that. And but by the way, great question. Like one of the things that one of my guiding principles just in sales and like my podcast, um, and one of the reasons why I transitioned to podcasting so well and still do sales is just because like I come from like a question-based framework. Like that's what I base everything Same. off of, right? And uh, so I think it's a great question. Uh, and I also think, yeah, I mean, do you ever have people, because the question to me is beautiful. I also see, because I've asked questions like that before, right? It's like kind of like calling, it's kind of like calling a baby, your baby ugly, right? Like nobody wants to know that their baby's ugly, you know? <laughs> so, you know, so here's what I mean by that. Like, how do you feel like your life could change if you're an ex exceptional communicator? I've asked questions like that in sales, right? Like, so for example, like, how would your life change if you if you were the master of your income? Like if you were in control fully of your income and you didn't have to rely on a boss or anything like that. And, you know, inevitably I get some people who are like, well, I mean, that doesn't happen to me anyway. Or like, I already feel like that. You know what I mean? And so, or they get, you know, sometimes you hit those stumbling blocks. Has that ever happened with you when you ask this question? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I usually don't do this in sales though. Let's let's explain that context because that's the one you brought okay, up. Okay, yeah. Like. Okay, cool. Yeah. So so in sales is a bit different because in sales it's more and and this is something that more to coaching, but it might apply in other service based businesses too. Yeah. The goal of the coach, at the best anyways, the people who do this yeah. right, is is setting a vision that is bigger than the one the client has for themselves. Yeah. So if I'm on a one-on-one -on -one call and I'm talking with the prospect, it's very different. So I might ask them something more yeah. simple, like, what is your vision? And they go like, you know, I want to go on like two podcasts a month or I want to grow my following to maybe a thousand. And I'm like, but how many lives do you impact? Oh, millions. But let's and then I yell at them and I go, we're not playing a bigger game. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. And they're like, oh, well, do I think that's even possible? So that's, yeah. that's, that's the sales context. But I would say in the context in general, you're right uh, in yeah. the sense that it can be challenging for some people to answer it because the first time answering the question. Yeah. So I actually spend like three hours explaining this to people. I go through like 17 frameworks, which is kind of crazy, but I kind of simplify <laughs> it on a podcast style, which is simply this. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I like to coach like a buffet. I'm sure you've been to a buffet before. I've, I've gone yeah. to a ton myself. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. And what's nice about a buffet, and I'll use that analogy because it's fun and it gets people's attention. And it's weird too. So you wonder where I'm going with this. <laughs> so what's nice about a buffet, Dalton, is everyone always picks a different plate. So you might get the sausages, you might get the pizza, I'll get something else, you know, whatever, something unhealthy too, chicken wings, whatever. Okay. But if I notice on your plate that you have pizza, what do I do? And I want pizza. What do I do? I okay, just go, I just go get pizza because all you can eat, yeah. right? Yeah. So the, why did I say that? I say that because the same thing applies for the question. Just steal people's answers. Like literally <laughs> what you should all be doing is you'd all be sitting down. And this is what I, I force people to do in like bigger groups. But let's just let's try and kind of play this on a podcast, which yeah. is like every like let's say you're doing this to two other people or one other person, really, with one friend. 
you could just say, what are three reasons why, why you should master communication? They might say building better relationships, making more friends, but what about you? Just pick up three. And then as they're kind of saying multiple reasons, when they get to like number 17, they go, oh, that's actually the one that resonates with me. And they take that. Yeah. Kind of like a buffet where I don't have to wait until the next time I go to the restaurant, I just get damn pizza and eat it. <laughs> yeah. I like that. No, I mean, I, I think I do that. I mean, that's just how life works. So my favorite quote for this, and I say it all the time, but like I heard it once. Um, actually, I've never told the story of how I've heard this quote. So why don't I just tell it? Um, we were, I was, I was a new car sales manager at a Honda group here in Utah. And we had this guy come in the front door. He was crazy. And remind, like at the beginning of this, I told you, like, I'm pretty assertive. I'm not a pep rally guy. Like I could care less if we, you know, if we throw on team colors and shout hooray, like, I don't care. I'll just go, go to work. I get, I make people happy. I get paid. So this guy comes in and he is like going crazy. Like he's on speed, man. He's bouncing off the walls. He's like, hi, how are you? His eyes are all big and he's just running around the dealership. And he goes, Hey, I'm looking for the manager. I want to do like a, he wants to do, he wanted to do like a, uh, come into our, our sales meeting and just, and have a few minutes to pitch something and, you know, get us all riled up. He wanted his part in the pep rally. And so I see him and I'm like, dude, this guy's crazy. I'm like, my answer was no, but I wasn't the only person on, on the management team at that time. So I was outvoted, which is fine. That's what happens. So That's he's fun. like that. Yeah. That Friday. And I wasn't mad. I was like, Hey, I don't, I think this guy's crazy. I'm not, I'm not down with it. He gives me creepy vibes. And uh, they're like, ah, he's fine. And most of our salespeople need this training. Anyway, this mindset training or whatever he was doing. And, and I was like, okay, but this is creepy. And so he comes back Friday, same thing. Bouncing off the wall. He's got a big backpack. His eyes are like bulging. and he's just freaking out, man. He's just losing his mind. And I go, he goes, all right, where's the training room? All right, guys. And then he like, he does all of like this. Oh, dude, it was just so uncomfortable because I'm just not that guy. And I was just like, this guy is going to kill us. This guy is like <laughs> buttering us up to like, you know, whatever. Anyway, so, but, I, but I go because I'm the manager. I got to, I got to show people that like learning, you can learn from anybody. And that's what I had set out to prove that day. And I'm sitting in there and it's like 15 minutes, 20 minutes. I'm like, dude, this is crazy. Like I haven't learned one thing. And then he says something crazy. He goes, he goes, uh, this is the quote that I've never let go. Like I was so glad that, that I went to this. And he said, if you steal from one person, it's called plagiarism. But if you steal from 10 people, it's called research. And I was like, oh, that's sweet because it changed my whole mindset because like, yeah, if you, you know, if you steal, you're like, ah, oh, but this really wasn't mine. I kind of, I feel like it feels imposter syndrome, but like, you know, it's just like, but if you steal from 10 people, it's called research. And who doesn't want to be a well-researched and a well-read person? And you're like, that's it, man. Anyway, it just goes to your point of like, yeah, I mean, like you're not, you know, stealing from one person is plagiarism. Stealing from 10 people is, is what's required in school. <laughs> if you're not stealing Absolutely. from, you know, you've read the paper, you've had the paper assignments. If you don't have at least three references, your paper will be dismissed. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Like another way of seeing this, and I love that story, though, that's hilarious, yeah. is, is the idea of like, Okay, if, if people don't like the word steal, and people should check out Austin Cleon's work, Steal Like an Artist, very yes, similar. Yes, I love, yes. But the, yes. Right. 
So, but the idea is, is very simple, right? You're standing on the shoulder of giants. Mm -hmm. So for me, like what the reason my ideas are innovative is, or at least I hope so, is yeah. because ideas exist in the industry <laughs> that I need to look at and comment on. So because the education system exists, I can go, well, this is wrong and here's why. But if the education system didn't exist, then where would my ideas go? Like, I would just go like, where? so, so there's always, yeah. we're, there's nothing new in the world. We're always just repackaging existing information or we're creating something from what's already there. But it all starts yeah. with something being there. We, we don't just get inspiration from being in a bubble and seeing nothing with our life. Yeah. Yeah. Again, was learning copyright. I was learning direct response copywriting. And one of the first lessons in, you know, I'd taken a couple courses because I'm all about, I love a good course. I've taken some really bad ones. I've taken some really good ones. Uh, but one of the really good ones that I took, he's that, you know, it's like good writing was good editing. I was like, how do you get all of your ideas? He goes like, I read a bunch and I see things that I don't like and I edit them. He's like, this is how I would have said that. And I go, no kidding. <laughs> he's like, or I take a really good idea. And I'm like, he got 90% of it right. I'm going to write a whole new post and get the other 10% right. And I was like, dang. So it's very similar, right? They're like, dude, we all just build oh, off yeah. each other. Like, yeah. it's not an original idea. <laughs> exactly. I, I think the key There's is really just, exactly. Yeah. I, I mean, bottom line is like, figure out what is the medium that brings you the most ideas. And for all of us, it's different. For me, it's listening to a podcast every morning, not doing yeah. meditation. I can't stand it. And for other people, it is meditation, like Ray Dalio, and he's a bit more successful than I am. Sure. Right? So for him, it's that. But I think the yeah. key is you got to triple down on what's working for you. Don't just half-ass a bunch of other strategies or else you just won't get there. Yeah, I agree. It's just, a you know, and then, so you got the Ray Dalios of the world who love meditation. You got the rest of us who like to maybe read. Then you got like the Alex Hormozis who are like, yeah. <laughs> I wasted an hour meditating when I could have been working. I my life changed when I stopped meditating and got to work. You're like, dude, it worked. I'm not. Yeah. Again, Alex Ramosi, way much more successful than I. Oh, yeah. It's just how we work. He's like my, he's like my saint. So we're on the same page. Dude. Yeah. He's great, man. I've I read hundred million dollar offers um, and his, and his insights into sales are great. Um, but it's also funny. Okay. So let's bring up this idea that let's, we're talking about Alex Ramosi. You brought up Grant Cardone. This is probably one of the funniest things because like I've been around the sales block too. And so it's really funny. Like Grant Cardone started in auto sales, like the where he I did. started. Yeah. Correct. He did. And so when and I knew Grant Cardone back when all he had was like car stuff. Oh, that's like how to make 200 uh, yeah, how to make 250k in auto sales, like how to be a you know, sales trainer in auto sales and all this stuff. But anyway, it was just funny because like every once in a while I'll hear Alex Harmozy and his wife had gotten him like an hour Layla. with Grant Cardone or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Spent like 120K. And uh, it's going through all this thing. And then, so, so every once in a while, you hear Alex Ramosi talking, and he'll be like, this is how I handle this objection. And uh, I'll even like, I'll even play a game where I'm like, I'm listening to it with my wife, and I'll pause it. And I'll, he'll be like, here's how you handle the objection of talking to a spouse. And I'll pause it, and I'll be like, do you want to know what he's going to say? <laughs> and she's like, you don't know what he's going to say. And I go, I do. He's going to say, what if your wife says no? And then I'll hit play and he goes, you just ask them what they're going to what they would do if they say no. Right. Like, <laughs> you're like, boom. Cause that's an old Grant Cardone quote, old, old school closer survival guide. Uh, like, yeah. Old closer survival. Like, 
crazy book, dude. It was the first book I bought that I spent more than like 40 bucks on, dude. It was crazy. It was bananas. <laughs> but it was a good book. But anyway, it's just funny because, yeah, I listen to Alex Formosi. I listen to Grant Cardone. He's, he's got a lot of roots with like some of those old, like Joe Verde, like those old sales guys, right? Like, um, so sometimes you read Joe Verde or, or uh, I can't remember the other guy. Big, big sales, old, old school sales guy. And you just like, I read all of those. Like, oh, that's where Grant Cardone got that from. And you're like, oh, okay. But it's cool because like, oh, yeah. Like the world just revolves and we evolve on these ideas, right? Oh, yeah. I think it's great. I think it's cool. You mentioned, you know, you mentioned that as well. So like, let me ask you this. Um, you kind of mentioned your story before you got all into this. But what, uh, what actually got you into coaching? Why did you pick communication? What's the story behind uh, how you got started in this? 100% man. So I always think there's like two types of entrepreneurs, right? That the first type is like born entrepreneur, kind of like mm-hmm. Mark Cuban's a great example of this. Gary V is a great example of this, where they just grow up selling lemonades and like picking people's flowers and selling them flowers. <laughs> like that's, that's yeah. kind of in their DNA. Yeah. And then you have the made entrepreneur. The person who doesn't really think they are an entrepreneur kind of becomes one. Tom Billy is a good example of this. Sure. Right where he just kind of becomes one later in life, kind of almost accidentally. So yeah. I'm definitely in the in the made category. Actually, I'm the I'm maybe if there's a third category, I'm like the anti-entrepreneur. <laughs> I thought entrepreneurship was losers who couldn't make six figures in a corporate job. That's what I thought. That's a good point, dude. So you're like a uh, yeah, that yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. So that, that's why I resonate with Alex because me and him have yeah. a very, very similar story where he went to a pretty high end school and then he worked in consulting for two years at Booz Allen. So it's so the same thing with me. Like I was a management consultant too for the first two years of my career. I was, I was never looking to be a coach. I didn't even know it was a business. I didn't even know you could make money doing this. What happened was it was all an accident, essentially. I just yeah. got really obsessed with these case competitions, these nerd things I was talking about earlier. Yeah, and just coaching them, but I wasn't because I wanted to be a great coach. It's because I needed these guys to win because I'm competitive as fuck, right? Yeah. Like I'm super competitive. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to get better because I wanted them to win, and they obviously wanted to win. They're super competitive too, yeah. and I just accidentally developed that skill set about how to coach people. What happened on the monetization side? So I worked at IBM for a few years. I was doing really good financially there, so I wasn't looking to monetize yeah. this. I was just yeah. making videos for fun, Dalton. <laughs> But then in September of 2019, I started the channel in Jan 2019. It's like nine months into the game. I met my business partner at a conference called Summit of Greatness by a guy named Lewis Howes in like Columbus, Ohio. In the oh, yeah, nowhere. yeah. Well, uh, Lewis Howes? Like, like the Lewis Howes? School, uh, I guess School so. Yeah, the guy yeah. who wanted, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy who yeah, wanted okay, to be cool. an NFL player, all that stuff. Great guy. Yeah. Uh, but, but the thing is, so I went to his live event because I've been following him since I was 20. Like I, I've listened to pretty much all of his episodes, like probably 60% yeah. of his library. And that's yeah. how I learned personal development because I couldn't afford a coach back then. So what happened was I met my business partner there and he just looked at me in the eye and he's like, you do realize you can charge executives thousands of dollars and you can quit your job in six months. And I said, and I literally quote, I said, dude, I'm 23. What are you talking about? No yeah. executive is going to pay me thousands of dollars for coaching. He said, sure, I'll write you a check. And that's how I got started. Whoa, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah, he bet wow, on me. He made a lot of money doing it too. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the deal, right? That's the deal. That's the old uh yeah, to quote Grant Cardone. That's uh, you know, he got more, he, you know, he got a better deal than I did. <laughs> Which is like uh, to be honest, I, I think I got the better deal, but but uh <laughs> but yes, he's done well. 
but you but you approach like that's how i approach the sales like yeah you know yeah you, you know if you if you can convey that kind of value to where like people really feel like ah you know i got a better deal than he did um but that's cool though dude i think that's awesome like what a crazy crazy story because yeah i mean but you know what here's the thing um there's nothing wrong with like going that corporate level and that corporate way i agree by the way yeah and then becoming like an entrepreneur because like you know the biggest question i get because i've done this podcast I've, i've interviewed tons of people in fact some of the people that I've had on this podcast have been on Lewis House podcast. Um, so I love it. And I, I interview a lot of these people and they're like, you know, and so, so inevitably I get in conversations with people who haven't been on my podcast. They're like, well, what's the hardest thing about starting a business or like, what should I be aware of when I'm starting a business? And I go, you know what, you know what? Um, it's like people quit too early, but I feel like if you've taken that corporate route, like, you know, the ins and outs of it, you know, like how tough it is. Right. Because if you're an executive up there, or like you're in a startup, like it's not easy. Right. Um, entrepreneurship might be a little hard, but if it's, if it's, I don't think it's a little bit hard. I think it's a different hard. You know what I'm saying? But if you have that background, you have that, that sets you up. So do you feel like that was the case for you? Somewhat. So okay. in, in the context of my work, I would say yes, but let me be very specific with my Yes. The yes is specific in the sense that my clients ended up coming from IBM later. Yeah. Right. So because oh, I cool. understand tech, because I understand those, most of my clients are tech executives. That's, cool. that's the niche I developed. And that's how I, that's how I kind of blew up. Well, not blew up, but became successful to eat. Yeah. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but, but I think the, the, cool. the key is that the recommendation I was like to give people, I think entrepreneurship is a stupid idea for most people. And I'll explain why. Sure. Yeah. statistically. And the reason is super simple, right? It, because entrepreneurship requires a quality that most human beings just don't possess, which yeah. is the ability to quickly adapt and change your mind. Like most people are yeah. not willing to change just in general over like small little things, but, cha- but in entrepreneurship, yeah. right? But in entrepreneurship, yeah. you not only do you have to change, you have to change so rapidly when things don't work or else your business goes to zero. So like you could wake up, you could be one day king of the world, making 200 grand a month. And then the next day, COVID hits, boom. (laughs) All the gyms are closed. Isn't that, isn't that, you say that, and I just remember that. I remember being on this floor at Honda when COVID hit. And like, we went into lockdown like on a Thursday. It was like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, the floor was full. We were selling cars. It looked like, you know, it was like candy, bro. We were just like, like and then so wednesday at 9 p.m slinging candy thursday at 9 a.m not a soul not a soul in sight not a not a person on the road and we were deemed like salespeople were like essential employees i'm like well how can that be you're not letting anybody go outside uh but (laughs) but it was just like that like i the the whole story to illustrate your point of like it really does happen like that absolutely and i I always like to say this on record that's why i say this on record Cause I'm super honest. Like you are very open about things. Yeah. If it wasn't for communication coaching, I'd still be at IBM. I wouldn't be an entrepreneur. I might side hustle like Ooh. a fun hobby, but sure. I'm like the most risk averse person <laughs> that I know in entrepreneurship. And let me actually spell this out for people. Cause I think this is the advice for most of us. Honestly, yeah. the first thing that you need to do is you need to prove that you can do your business part-time. 
Because the biggest yeah. and most important thing is sales. Like if, if your ship doesn't make money, it's not going to make money full time. The only exception <laughs> to that is yeah. like very, very niche, which is like technology enterprise startup. But most yeah. of the people do well in startups because the, the in tech, because the painting is not really well. Most yeah. of those guys are actually a lot older than people think. The media stigmatizes the young the guys. The young guys, like yeah. This, but most most of these tech startup guys, the really successful ones, like the CEO of Workday, the CEO of Salesforce, yeah. these guys are old. Like they're like and they, 40, and they 40. were and they were older when they started their companies, for sure. Correct. Way older. Yeah. Way older. Yeah. And they had a lot of industry experience and they had a deep network. So to to I agree with you that entrepreneurship isn't for everybody. The what I wish would change around that whole conversation is the stigma of like. Oh, if you can't, you're not, you, if you don't want to be an entrepreneur, you just, that means you can't cut it. And it's like, well, no, I know like some really awesome people who could, who know how to run a business. They just, that's not their dream. That's not that, you know what I mean? They have values that guide their life and they can live those values in full without entrepreneurship. Like, okay, that's cool, man. And by the way, statistically speaking, all right, let's go into accounting, right? Like, statistically speaking, we all can't be entrepreneurs. Correct. Absolutely. <laughs> like, you just can't. We, we would, our economy wouldn't work anymore <laughs> if we were all entrepreneurs. So it's not a bad thing. I think you just find your, you know, I think it was actually Lewis Howes who had like, or Tom Bailey, Lewis Howes, Tom Bailey, I can't remember who I was listening to, but like the buckets of people, right? Like you have like the, you have like the, the general population, which is like, they, they like to work. They like their nine to five. They like to know when they're going to get paid and when they're going to get off. Nothing wrong with that. You have the, the second layer is like linchpins, right? That's like, I don't want, I'm not the visionary, but I'm the implementer. And so like, I can do that. Right. And then you have like the entrepreneurs who are like visionaries, but they can't really put it all together. They need somebody, you need all three, like you need all three. And why would you shit on somebody who you need? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly right i mean yeah. we're, we're still on the same page here built that's why the advice for me like before i quit because I, I, I probably have the most risk averse story in the history of your show probably <laughs> so the first thing is is i i had a year of savings like nine months i think yeah something like that so i had a ton of savings so i had no debt i was really good with money and if you're not really good with money my god i know what you're gonna do as an entrepreneur even if you yeah. have an accountant you gotta know how numbers work because of yeah. gross margins, gross obviously it worked for us with our accounting backgrounds, so it's easier right. to manage. Right. So that's one. The second thing is I already I had a product that was making money. Clubhouse blew yeah. up my business in the early days. I got on that app like super early. I signed a bunch Clubhouse, of clients and I had replaced yeah. 30, yeah, 30, 40% of all my income was already replaced. I already had a product that was working. I just needed to quit. And then the third piece was having a plan. I had a clear plan on what to do for 16 hours a day for the next like three to six months. To say like, yes, I can replace 100% of my income in six months and I didn't in three, right? Yeah. So I did take no risk because I'm the only breadwinner <laughs> in my family, right? Okay. Like I retired yeah. my mom a long time ago. My sister doesn't have a job until like recently. So yeah, I was taking a lot of risk quitting my job. And the last thing that I want to point out, I knew exactly why I was different than most of my competitors. I studied yeah. all the other communication coaches in the industry. I found so many gaps in their models. I said, there's no way they're going to outplay me, especially in coaching because it's high margin. If you're charging a few thousand for a package, you only need like 20 people to say yes. So I did all of that math. I, I went through all the worst case scenarios and I said, there's no way I'm going to lose. And then I jumped and I didn't lose. But that's yeah. the key, right? If you're not willing to do this. And, and another thing I point out, 
I worked 100 hours a week for two and a half years before I quit the <laughs> mass talk because I did, I did like 60 hours, 65 hours at IBM, and I was doing yeah. 30, 35 on mass talk every week. So yeah, man, if you can't do it part-time, you can't do it full-time. <laughs> <laughs> right, and yeah, people, I feel like there's just the, the stigma or like this false, everybody paints a pretty picture of entrepreneurship and it's really not a pretty picture. Like my, I think my favorite one is like the joke, the jokes people make, but it ends up being like really true is like, you know, I became an entrepreneur because I wanted to leave my nine to five and work 24 seven. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, dude. And, and you know what? I think this is where I kind of like Gary V when, when he talks about like, just be happy. Like, you know, if you can be happy doing this stuff, then you can be happy doing this stuff. And if you're not, then like, who cares, man? I love, and I don't know how true, like, I have no reason to believe that Gary V is lying when he says that he knows people in his life who make $34,000 a year, oh, take yeah. one vacation a year and they're, they're the happiest people on earth. Right. And I go, yeah, because they're just like, dude, they, you know, there's a point in your life where you're like, I just want to do me. You know what I mean? I want to do what I want to do. And, and that's great. Right. And then to bring it kind of full circle, that's to your point about communicating with others, right. It, it allows you to be yourself, right. Because empathy and like, and like, empathy is like a very useful tool and like happiness just as like a, from a, from a selfish perspective, like if I, if I have empathy, then I can be like, no, like we're not gonna, you know, like I'm not going to work at midnight. You know what I mean? Period. Right. Like, <laughs> and but you can say that you, you, but like, oh, you know, empathy goes both ways, right? Like it doesn't work for me. It works for you. Cool. Let's have, let's be friends. Then, right. That's the key. Let's I just mean, boundaries, you talk, right? Right. And, and you said it so well. You're like, you know, I, I wonder if Gary V. I mean, my sister is exactly like that. She's exactly what Gary V says. Yeah. She makes 50 grand a year. She likes one. Oh, she gets, she goes through two, three because I just take her on more vacations. Yeah. But with what I make. But I think the key is like, yeah, that's, 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 that's what she wants. And she's super happy. I'm pretty sure she's not happier than me because I'm just, <laughs> and I love my life. So it's hard to be right. happier than me. <laughs> and like, yeah. And I love working 12 hours a day. I think that's the part we didn't emphasize. Be yeah. Because the thing that I'm building is something I really believe in. If I was like yeah. doing, I don't know, anything but the industry I was in, like, and, and I stand <laughs> by it, I wouldn't yeah. be an entrepreneur. I would just work at IBM, guaranteed half a million dollars a year. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Donate some of that to, to, to charity and you can live happy your life. Yeah. You can live. You, I, dude, I mean, yeah, I remember working in the car business and, and getting close to that kind of money, you know, and it's like, Bro, you almost live a little better life than an entrepreneur. You, it's oh, kind of no, like a, no, a lot better. <laughs> it's like a lot you better, know, actually. <laughs> you can write, you can write, you can uh you can work less making that much money. You know what I mean? Like, um, yeah, it's definitely it's just different. You know what I mean? It's just different. So yeah, it's just different. It's it's good though. I mean, but like who cares, man? We're just living our life, we're being happy. Um so there, so there you go, bro. Well, cool, man. Well, I appreciate your time, dude. This was a really fun conversation. I loved yeah, it. This is great. Um, tell every, tell everybody, like, tell us where we can find you, um, all your links and everything, like how they can follow you, how they can get involved with Master Talk, how they can get involved with you if if they choose to do that. Absolutely, Dalton. Such a pleasure, man. Thanks for having me. So two ways to keep in touch. The first one is the YouTube channel. Just go to Master Talk in one word, and you'll have access to hundreds of free videos and how to communicate ideas. And the second one is for those of you who want to see me live on a Zoom call, I do a free communication training every three weeks. And if you want to jump in on that, it's live, it's interactive, it's fun, and I facilitate it. You go to rockstarcommunicator.com.
rockstarcommunicator.com. Rockstarcommunicator.com. All right, brother. Well, hey, thank you so much for being here. Likewise, brother.